0: DPO is typically one of the first levers that companies pull with an overall shrinking volume of business. What's important is that companies now differentiate more. They want to make sure that strategic suppliers hit by the pandemic make it through the crisis and stay alive. So some selective use of shortened payment terms to provide a cash infusion certainly makes a lot of sense from a risk management perspective.
1: Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Each episode shares our latest research, benchmarks, and best practices on world-class performance. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance.
2: I'm Brian Hall. Your host for today's podcast, and my guest is Gerhard Urbach, a senior director at the Hackett Group. I'll be guiding the discussion, providing context as needed. As always, a full transcript for this episode can be found at podcast.thehackettgroup.com. The Hackett Group publishes an annual survey of the thousand largest publicly listed companies' working capital performance. We will be talking today about the refresh of the study, which captures the impact of COVID as well as take a look at the implications beyond for decision-makers. Gerhard, could you briefly summarize some of the U.S. working capital survey results? Of course. Thank
0: you, Brian. COVID has certainly left its mark on corporate working capital performance. Our recent refresh analyzed the financial statements of 849 of the largest U.S.-based companies outside the financial services sector. Now, across these businesses, we saw significant deteriorations in all key financial figures. To give you an idea, Revenue fell by an average 14% year-on-year, net income fell by 61%, gross margin fell by 1.5%, and then earnings before interest and taxes or the EBIT margin fell by a whopping 23%. Wow,
2: those are some significant impacts. Did you see that some sectors were doing better than others, or was it all doom and gloom? Declining revenues were persistent across
0: most sectors in our study, Brian, but there were some industries that actually did quite well during the pandemic. To name just a few, revenues in the construction materials sector increased 25%. Internet and catalog retail went up by 20%. Air freight and carriers were up 12%. Home building up by 12%. As people stayed at home, really, during the pandemic, we also saw building products up 7%, beverages up 5% food up 1%, and household and also personal care items up 2%. Again, these industries were the exceptions. The overall trend was a fairly broad decline in both top-line and bottom-line metrics across industry sectors.
2: I see. And can you talk a little bit about what happened to cash balances and debt? in that same period of time.
0: Absolutely. Almost inversely to the revenue changes, we saw increases in debt. While revenues went down by 14%, we saw debt going up by 13% year on year. Cash on hand went up 47%. More interesting to note, however, are the changes in absolute terms. Now, debt in our survey went up by 13%, and that equated to $792 billion. That's much more than the increase in cash on hand, which was 47%. But equated $414 billion. So the combination of $792 billion more in borrowing and $414 billion more in cash on hand really suggests that companies were borrowing to ensure they had adequate cash
2: to weather the storm. In that use of debt, did you see that companies were using their revolvers as a source for some of this cash? Yes, absolutely we
0: did. When the pandemic started to hit for real in March and April, companies scrambled to secure liquidity and did an estimated 350 to $400 billion worth of revolver drawdowns, as we know anecdotally. And with bond market liquidity returning, we see that more and more revolver drawdowns are being converted to longer-term debt.
2: Is this short-term borrowing a sustainable strategy at all? Or what is your assessment of the risk of following this approach, Gerhard?
0: Yeah, that's a good question, Brian. That probably depends on whether the incremental debt is short-term or long-term, how healthy the business is as well, and what happens down the road with inflation. The business is healthy and doesn't need the incremental cash for operations, and the debt is short-term, there's no downside. The situation might change if the business is not healthy and if it needs the incremental cash to fill gaps in operation. That's a different story. In that case, there still wouldn't be much downside to long-term debt. For example, if there were an increase in inflation, it should become easier for the business to repay. The long-term debt in the future as prices, revenues, profits and cash flows should increase with inflation in absolute terms. Where a company might see a downside to borrowing to support cash flow would be if the business isn't healthy and the debt needs to be repaid soon. For that company, cash flows will get very tight when the
2: debt comes due. Sounds like, especially in the last case, companies really need to look for sources of funding beyond debt. We'll come back to that in a few minutes, but let us have a look at the working capital performance. How did the 849 companies that you mentioned in the survey do with regard to key working capital performance indicators? Not
0: surprisingly, we did see a working capital performance deterioration across the board. At the highest level, the cash conversion cycle, it deteriorated by 4.7 days or 13% from 36 days to 40.7 days. Could you briefly explain what the cash conversion cycle is? Absolutely, Brian. The cash conversion cycle is the sum of DSO, or Day Sales Outstanding, plus DIO, that is Day's Inventory Outstanding, minus DPO, or Day's Payable Outstanding. A high cash conversion cycle is associated with the relatively bad working capital performance, while a low cash conversion cycle number is associated with the relatively good working capital performance. Now, as to the elements of a cash conversion cycle, we measure DSO as the balance of accounts receivable divided by the average daily sales revenues. DIO and DPO are measured by the inventory and accounts payable balances divided by the average
2: daily cost of goods sold. Thank you, Gerhard, for clarifying that definition. So what happened to each of the elements of the cash conversion cycle?
0: We saw DSO deteriorating by 3.1 days, or 7%. DIO deteriorated by 6.9 days, or 15%, and a DPO improved by 5.3 days, or 10%. Most of these changes were driven by the changes in the denominators and to a lesser extent by changes in the balances. Take DIO. The inventory balance remained essentially unchanged at $940 billion, while COGS dropped 15%. Similarly, DPO, the account's payable balance, decreased by $47 billion, or 4%, while COGS dropped 15%. AR balances changed somewhat more significantly. So we saw the AR balance shrunk by 8%, or $95 billion, to $1.168 trillion, while revenues dropped even faster by 14%.
2: Could you shed a bit of light on what explains these developments?
0: Yeah, on the accounts receivable side, we saw a huge revenue drop. Well, customers started paying late to save on cash unilaterally. We saw overdues going up. We also saw customers negotiating longer payment terms, increasing disputes to delay payment. Some customers that were hit strongly by the pandemic even defaulted. We did see some high-profile bankruptcy filings after all, or companies in the hospitality business, for example, announcing they would not pay for rent anymore, for example. On the DIO and inventory side, we saw finished goods inventories taking longer to sell off with the revenue drop on the one hand. We also saw stockouts due to supply chain disruptions for companies with complex global supply chains from China and other countries. Finally, as to DPO, we saw companies starting to pay late or extending terms with vendors, the reverse side of DSO, essentially. DPO is typically one of the first levers that companies pull with an overall shrinking volume of business. What's important is that companies now differentiate more. They want to make sure that strategic suppliers hit by the pandemic make it through the crisis and stay alive. So some selective use of shortened payment terms to provide a cash infusion certainly makes a lot of sense from a risk management perspective. A lot of companies have done exactly that, paying closer attention to supply chain risk and supplier credit
2: risk. That's an interesting perspective, Gerhard. Can you provide a bit more background on the supply chain disruptions? Sure. A lot of companies experienced supply chain disruptions
0: this year as various markets shut down due to COVID. Production was affected. Export was affected. Travel was affected. In some cases, that resulted in increased lead times to get certain raw materials or components. In other cases, supply was disrupted indefinitely. Obviously, for all of these reasons, alternative sources of supply are important. Companies should also be thinking about how their actions influence their suppliers' ability to stay in business. If a large company relies on a small supplier that may be at risk of insolvency, the large company may want to pay earlier just to help ensure that line of supply can stay open.
2: I would like to come back to our earlier conversation about debt and funding. We have seen that continuing to rely on debt alone may be a risky strategy for some companies. What alternatives to borrowing should companies be pursuing to increase cash on hand in this economy?
0: The biggest alternative to borrowing really is releasing cash from operations by improving working capital. Our annual survey shows a combined working capital improvement opportunity of $1.3 trillion. For the 1,000 largest publicly listed U.S. companies outside the financial services sector. That consists of a $500 billion opportunity in inventory, a $400 billion opportunity in accounts payable, and a $400 billion opportunity in payables. That's huge. To give you an idea, $1.3 trillion is about 6% of U.S. GDP. Now, While some working capital improvements depend on arm wrestling and bargaining with business partners, a lot can be driven by process excellence. Take credit and risk management or dispute management for DSO, for example, or the quality of replenishment and supply chain processes for DIO and inventory. On the DPO side, with COVID, companies have looked at helping out certainly smaller strategic suppliers as well with at least temporarily improved payment terms to keep them alive. Also, obviously, there are supply chain finance solutions out there. So not all is about squeezing the smaller supplier. A lot is really about process excellence, and working capital performance is a good barometer of organization process maturity in the customer-to-cash, forecast-to-fulfill, and source-to-settle processes impacting DSO, DIO, and DPO. Let me make one more comment about DIO, the biggest opportunity. We saw $500 billion We have seen DIO increasing essentially every year over the last 10 years, despite companies' significant investments in technology to manage complexity.
2: Well, that's a discouraging trend, given those relative investments that we've seen companies make. I would have expected a different trend. What could explain that? Yeah, you know, we hear frequently from CFOs
0: that this is the hardest area to tackle indeed. It's an area that is hardly influenced by finance, but by supply chain operations, purchasing and sales. And in other words, a cross-functional approach is needed more so even than for accounts receivable and accounts payable. The need for significant cross-functional collaboration has also made it harder to leverage technology and positively offset the impact from increasing complexity driven by greater product offers and more complex global supply chain. I'm personally always intrigued by how much improvement opportunity we find With clients when we dig into their data and service delivery models. Obviously, one of the first things to do is compute optimum stock levels based on current constraints. Now, interestingly, in organizations, while having an overall significant reduction opportunity, we tend to find many items are actually understocked. That negatively impacts delivery performance and has a much higher cost than cash tied up. Negative delivery performance driven by stockouts may imply late delivery penalties, loss of market share, loss of revenue, and margin, to name just a few. So really good for CFOs to take a closer look at inventory.
2: It sounds like that would be a critical area for examination. And we'll come back to that in more detail in a minute. But before we do that, could you speak to the trends that you see for the future? Absolutely. Nobody has a crystal ball, so
0: we need to look at scenarios. In very broad terms, are we looking at a V-shape? L-shaped or U-shaped recovery. Let's be hopeful and look for some form of V. That would mean that revenues and COGS will go up and probably faster than the balances of accounts receivable, inventory, and accounts payable. So DSO should improve mostly as revenues go up. DIO should improve as well. DPO, on the other hand, should deteriorate as COGS go up in the scenario. We probably have not seen the full effect of debt yet. Financial institutions and markets may become more reluctant to provide debt financing due to increased market risks and businesses having defaulted or going out of business. So even with the cash conversion cycle potentially improving across sectors, we expect to see businesses focusing more on internal sources of funding, such as from improving working capital.
2: What are some of the levers that you see decision-makers can pull given the lessons from the pandemic?
0: From a working capital and risk management point of view, we certainly advise decision-makers to optimize their integrated business planning, sales and operations planning processes using scenarios. Cash flow forecasting, for example, should be more integrated with the IBP process even beyond inventories, the S&OIP process. Use technology to support and streamline this process. For AR and DSO, credit and risk management should be enhanced apart from the usual other levers from sales and quote management to cash application. Apply a segmented approach to risk, credit management, and collections. Again, technology can help a lot there. For inventory and DIO, review supply chain risk and supply chain strategy. Should you look for alternative sources of supply and switch to suppliers with shorter lead times to avoid inventory for covering long distances, you need to model the trade-offs from a total cost of ownership perspective. Make sure also that the master data reflects the new reality and ensure that there is no over-replenishment beyond optimum stock. Make sure you use your technology wisely as an organization. Finally, with payables worsening again, it's good to review the payment terms model based on a sound payment terms benchmarking, payment runs, and the payment clock while applying an approach considering supplier risk.
2: Gerhard, you already mentioned quite a few levers in your answer. Thank you. But how can leaders get traction quickly if they would like to address working capital in the near term? I would advise starting with a rapid assessment of the three areas of
0: working capital. We're looking at two to four weeks. It doesn't require a lot of time from internal resources beyond being available for a few interviews and providing a data dump, really. At the end of this rapid assessment, decision makers have a clear idea of the dollar opportunity, not just in terms of cash, but also in terms of revenue and margin when we look at inventory and delivery performance. They get a comprehensive roadmap, including some rather quick-to-implement recommendations. For those in a hurry, we can add a rapid cash release program that we could start in parallel with the rapid assessment.
2: Gerhard, quite an informative discussion today. Thank you so much for your time and participating in this interview. Thank you, Brian.
1: Thanks for listening. We'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can write us an email at podcast at And if you like this episode, please share it. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehacketgroup.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. The Hacket Group is the global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehacketgroup.com.